to the Starks Lounge, a podcast about business, entrepreneurship, and franchising. I'm your host, Steve Tallis, and I'm the co-founder of Starks Barber Company, one of Canada's fastest-growing franchise systems. Starks is an upscale and modern take on the traditional barbershop, offering men the ultimate haircut experience. One of the things that makes our stores unique is our lounge, a place where customers can relax and socialize before their haircut. My goal in this series is to talk to my guests candidly, like we're hanging out in the Starks Lounge. I want to give listeners insight into entrepreneurship and business ownership and a behind-the-scenes look at what our company is all about. I'll be talking with franchisees within our system, as well as experts and thought leaders in the franchise industry. I really hope you enjoy this series, and please subscribe if you do. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Angela Cote, founder and CEO of AC Inc., a consulting company that works with emerging and established franchise brands across North America. Angela has spent a life in franchising, literally. She grew up with M&M Food Market, the iconic Canadian brand founded by her father. As an adult, Angela worked to help grow the brand across Canada, including as a franchisee taking the brand to Vancouver Island and in the field, helping coach and manage the company's franchise owners. She is one of the most respected people in the world of franchising today, and I've watched her consulting business take flight over the last several years, and I'm delighted to have her share her knowledge today with our listeners. Angela, thank you so much for being here. It is my pleasure. I, I, I think you know I'm a sucker for podcasts. I love uh, I love the opportunity to share the things I've learned over the years with people to help people get things right. So I appreciate, really appreciate you having me. Great. Yeah. So Angela, Starks is an emerging brand and all of our franchisees are relatively new. And the one thing that they're all really interested in is, you know, kind of knowing if they're doing a good job. And, and I mean, ultimately, as a new small business owner, people feel like, they want to know if they're on the right track and, and you know, I'm, I'm really glad it's one of those things that we're going to zero in on today. And, and as you put it, it's, it's the DNA of a top performing franchisee because I feel like in the early stages, the focus needs to be almost less on the numbers and more on behavior and culture and things like that. And I, I you know, I'm, I'm speculating, I, we're, I'm sure we're going to get into some specifics, which will be great. So when you talk about the DNA what exactly do you mean and, and why is this such an important topic? Yeah, so I, over the years, have had the opportunity to see <laughs> everything from top performing franchisees to, I'll say, the bottom, I guess, because there is that, right? There's this range. And when you look at a top performing franchisee, and, and when I look at those over the years and go, okay, what are the common traits? Though That's what I've sort of gathered here to help people understand whether or not they're going to be a fit in a franchise. So I kind of realized early on that if I could be able, if I could identify these traits for people, then when people were determining whether or not they would be good going, entering into a franchise as a franchisee, that they could then assess whether this makes sense for them. It would also help, you know, current franchisees um, understand you know, their strengths and weaknesses. And, and if they don't have, if they don't feel like they have certain traits, it doesn't mean they're doomed. It just means, hmm, maybe you need to get a little extra guidance or, or support from your franchisor or, or professional development in a couple of these areas so that you can perform better. But if by knowing those traits will enable people to perform and or decide whether they should even be a franchisee. So though, that's the, that's kind of where it comes from. And it's just franchising is so much all about fit, right? So if a person doesn't have the right DNA, it doesn't mean that they're not, you know, smart or not, you know, worthy or whatever. It's just like, why would we want to sell you and invest all you invest your life savings when we could have looked at this and, and determined that 
it would have been hard for you to be successful. You're more of like a corporate type or you're more of a, I don't know, whatever other types there are. And I think that's like something that we always have to educate people on when we're in the process of, and we always say we don't sell franchises, we award them to people who are a good fit because, you know, certain people are just saying, let's get in the numbers or how much money can I make? And I'll decide if it's a good business for me. But realistically what it is, is it's a, it's a harmonious mutual decision between you and the franchisor because once we actually do the franchise agreement, you know, we, we didn't just sell you something and you kind of drove off the lot with it and we'll, you know, we'll see when it breaks down or, or when you need a new one. I mean, we're in business together for a long time. So, you know, fit is, is critical. I, I'm excited to dive a little bit into some of this criteria of the DNA of a top performing franchisee because I feel like maybe I was one before I started franchising and that's what started to expand starts is because we were having success. So, so I'm excited to learn about it, but I'm also excited to kind of look back and say, you know, did we, did we accidentally kind of meet some of that criteria and, and is it, is it woven into our system now and how we coach people? Mm, that's very interesting. And I, I would say um, that there, these, yeah, there's a good chance that you are going to go, yep, I'm pretty sure I have these traits, but there's, you're going to see there's a couple of them that you probably don't have, which led you to take this to the next level that a franchisee is probably a little bit more happy, you know, in, with a little bit more systems is really what I'm getting at. So uh, there, I do think there's also sort of DNA of a franchisor, but um, that's definitely a lot of it crosses over. So that's interesting that you put that together. Well, so, maybe in a future episode, you can examine me and what kind of job I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if you're any good. <laughs> that one might not air, depending on how it goes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, okay. let's dive in like, like, Throw some topics out there and, and let me yeah. know what you guys are thinking at AC and, and, and what you look for and yeah. kind of vetting, you know, and, and looking into a franchise system to say, hey, how are your franchisees doing? You know, how can we help them? Like, what are some of those key sure. points? Well, I'll start with this one. Uh, I'm like going to start at the top. And that way, if we, you know, we'll see how many we get through. And if, if we don't get through them all, we, we have a way that we can share these um, where we can send it to people. But um, I'm going to start with the one in case people get bored and they turn off the podcast, I'm going to start, maybe that's backwards. I probably should save the best to last, but I'm going to start with one that's just, I think so important and so commonly overlooked. And that is, and it, I'm going to actually combine two into one here. Just it's easier to explain it this way right now. And that is being like community oriented and also sales oriented. So I'll, I'll talk about them actually now we'll kind of do them individual community oriented is, is important because what one of the biggest frustrations I hear from franchisors and quite frankly it's often their own fault because they didn't recognize this when they were trying to bring in the right people but they're like my franchisees you know we tell them to go out into the community and you know connect with other businesses or or connect with a local charity or go to the chamber of commerce do some networking and they just won't do it and I'm like, well, did you assess that they are that kind of a person bringing them in? Because a lot of people are not comfortable with that kind of thing. So um, we want to make sure that they're going to be comfortable connecting with the community because the whole point of a, well, a big part of why we franchise is that we want local business owners that can do that. Otherwise, wouldn't you just have managers that you paid in different communities, you know, like robots? But no, you want individual humans that have the connections in their local market. So 
the being community oriented, yeah, means like I said, you know, getting out there. And then I just, I t- I'm going to tie sales and sales oriented in with it. It's just, they go so hand in hand. And that is like being like comfortable kind of putting yourself out there and getting out there and, and selling what you got, you know, and I'm not like saying, Oh, you've got to have 10 years of sales experience. Like, I don't even care if you have sales experience. It's not like, let me see your resume that does help, but it's more like in the process of talking to somebody, you can tell if they're kind of selling you and like, you know, persuading, they've got to have a comfort or natural level of that. I would say so sales oriented, community oriented. Do you agree? Is that something that you see with your franchise system? Yeah. I like, and again, it's, it's kind of woven into my DNA because I grew up in small business in small communities And so, you know, my dad, my grandfather, the way they ran their businesses, there was a huge kind of like, you know, community element and a great relationship between the business and the community. But I also think about, um, you know, one of your roundtables, we're going to talk about that at the end because I'm going to shine some light on that. I love what you're doing there. It's so helpful. But I, I, you know, reciprocity, right? With the community. I, I talk to the franchisees about that. I want the community to feel like, you know, hey, you know what? Uh, those guys that own Starks, like you said, there's an identity there. There's a face behind the brand, you know, or or in harmony with the brand and, and they're really good people. And, um, and I want to give them my business. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, so a small business, you know, really, really needs to understand that and how to kind of leverage that. And, you know, so I, I, I totally agree. Absolutely. Yeah, just and on that note, like when I was a franchisee with Eminem, and you know, at that point, I always say, like, I opened store number 300 in the chain, we got to almost 500, but by 300, pretty well known brand. And even though it was a well known brand, there were times when over the years, I was a franchisee for 18 years, multi unit, but I there were times we had to get our butts out into the community because customers need to be reminded about you and you're so right people wanted to support us and they like when when we first opened soon after that we got married and and people came in and they wanted to know like who are the owners oh we heard you got married like they wanted that personal connection so um yeah it's it's pretty amazing and and it gets missed a lot so yeah you know know, it's so funny because i'll tell a quick story and you know i won't mention the brand but it's one of the largest in the world and the franchisee um was basically saying, so the guy sold the businesses in the community that he ran for 20 years or so, and then something happened in his life a few years later where he actually really wanted to get back in, and he was telling a friend of mine that, you know, the, the, the guy who took them isn't doing so well, and, and, and he said, oh, what, like, what, what, what do you think the reason is? And he said, well, you know, we used to, we used to show up at the local blood drive and drop off, the, and that, and again, I don't want to get into the brand, but it, it was like, wow, like a brand of that size and that magnitude that people do business. You, you'd think people do business with, you know, without even thinking, but it's like you, there is always an opportunity to build reciprocity. And I also think that it's really becoming to larger brands. I, I remember when, when our first store was in Unionville, Ontario, and that's where we grew up. And so we're doing business in Unionville. And within the first year, I believe, that Starks opened, a Whole Foods came in. And 
you know, it was, it was a big kind of chain and, and, and we walked through the store and I, I see this big giant Unionville mural on the wall and they've named all their sandwiches after the local, you know, this and that and streets and whatnot. And then they held um, a day in the parking lot that was for a foundation for someone in the community that actually my business partner and I went to high school with and she passed away very young. And that's a near and dear charity to that community that we were aligned with as well. And I was surprised to see Whole Foods get behind that. And so there were clearly people with their eye on the ball there. And, and the reason I tell this, because again, I think it's, it's really becoming to you no matter what business you're in and what size your business is. And then this other thought I wanted to share is working in alignment with the community where, you know, people who work in the community are also part of the community. We've gone to like giant office, McKesson, Canada, you know, and Markham, their pharmaceutical office, huge company, but they wanted to shave their heads for cancer. And they reached out to us because obviously we're experts mm -hmm. in, in head shaving. Yeah. And they showed up, right? And it's like, wherever these people live, it doesn't matter because they work in the community. They do, they do their nine to fives in the community. So I think I, I want to share that because there's so many different ways that you can integrate your business into the community. And it's so important. Exactly. And so for, for anybody that's, thinking of becoming a franchisee, it's something to really think about. Like, can you imagine yourself going out and doing that? And, and you know, are you that type? And that's why I kind of add in the sales or like, are you the type to walk into somebody else's business and say, hi, like my name's Steve and I just opened a, you know, barbershop in your neighborhood. And, you know, like sometimes you're putting yourself out there like that. Um, one thing that you hit on that, I like just kind of, I know it's a little off the topic of the DNA, but with this community piece, I remember um, with M&M when we would open, and this is now back to when I was before franchisee on the corporate side, helping open stores and, and then training them and teaching the staff to make sure that they tell people that there's a local owner here and, and new customers would walk in that hadn't heard of us yet. And they would say, this must be, this must be an American company, you know, cause it was pretty well put together. And it's a funny thing that people cared about that. And they were like, mm. but once you said, no, a, it's a Canadian company. And then B it's a local franchisee. This is him right here or her right there they were way more um, excited to support. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And now I guess we got onto that topic a bit, but it's pretty cool how franchising is, is so local. So I think it's an opportunity to be creative too. And obviously yeah. we talk to a lot of people that are stifled creatively in their corporate jobs as they divest out of that and into small business ownership. And so I think it's important to mention that, you know, there's an element of creativity in terms of how you can align yourself with other businesses and causes and, you know, and the like in the community in, in a creative and thoughtful way. Um, so, so again, just speaking beyond the bottom line and, and what you get out of being a small business owner. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that's a good, actually, that's sort of a good segue into another trait then is, is uh, being systems oriented, you know, being comfortable following systems. But what I love what you just said, because that, marketing piece, if we'll call it that, or connecting with people, that's the area where I tell people that's where you get to scratch your creative itch. Like if, if you are a franchisee and you're like, I like systems, but I do have a bit of a creative side. I mean, we probably all have something of that. That's where you get to kind of figure that out and use it and is going out into the community. But, um, but on the note of being systems oriented, um, that's where there's a difference, you know, and then I, I talked to it with, with our clients, I'll get on calls with prospects on lots of that stuff. And there, there's a definite, you know, sort of DNA about 
wanting for franchisees, you know, they want to come in and they want things figured out. They don't want it figured out for the first time, but they do want that little bit of leeway. So it's, it's being comfortable with that's a system. So making sure that you have that trade is, is, is so critical. I've seen so many franchisees that want to do their own thing and that, you know, there's, there's ways that you can do that in a chain by sharing ideas and, and that, but especially the, the further along you are now for you at the stage you're at, one thing that's kind of cool is earlier stage franchisees coming in, get a little bit more opportunity to help kind of shape the brand by, by sharing ideas. I think you're probably listening more at that stage than when you've got 300 units and you've figured a lot of things out. Yeah. And I just want, I want to, I want to do a quick public service announcement because I know my franchisees are going to be listening to this. I did, I didn't <laughs> tell I didn't tell Angela what to say here at all. We didn't because we were just in our AGM a couple of months ago and we talked so much about systems orient being systems oriented and, and continuity, the, the consistency from store to store and, and how we have power with unity. And, yeah. and so it was a theme. Um, and I don't think that it was like, I don't think they were in there rolling their eyes, their eardrums were bleeding, listening to us harp on, on, on this, uh, this unity thing. It's just when you're young and when you're emerging and, and I know, you know, I talked with you and, and, and Keith at your organization who handles a lot of emerging brands. And it's like, what you have to make sure is things can, can start to, to get away from you a little bit and go in different directions. And you really have to coach, you really have to manage, and you really have to harp on the system stuff. But ultimately, you know, when you do it together and you grow together and everything is in, in a unified approach, then, you know, the, the, the whole business, the whole brand and each individual franchise is going to have more success, right? Yes, absolutely. Be stronger together. And um, the way I always talk about this and, and yeah, we didn't talk about this in advance, but I say this all the time. You can listen to me anywhere saying this, that I really believe it's about protecting the franchisee's investment. If you don't maintain those standards and expect people to follow systems, then, well, first of all, you don't really have a brand, but the other franchisees neighboring, or it could be across the country, if they go and do their own thing and it diminishes your, like your investment, you don't want that. Like if, you know, they start selling rogue products at, you know, one of the Starks in a different city and then customers are confused and they're like, well, it's not quality because I bought this low quality product. And then they move to wherever there is say another Starks, that franchisee could get um, burned because that, that prospective client is like, no, it's not good, very good quality. So we like, it's, it's coming together to really maintain those, those brand standards and that protects that protects their investment. So it, it often feels micromanagey or policey or whatever, but it's it's the whole point of franchising is that consistency. Yeah, it is. And, and I think it's it's important too that like, you know, they know that there is a way to evolve and there is a way to cultivate ideas, but it needs to be done in an organized way. And you talk about like piloting a project or just being strategic about it, right? So my my business partner was um, roommates in college with a, a family who owned a couple of McDonald's franchises, now owned many of them. And, and his father actually was the, the brainchild, maybe accidentally, right behind McCafe, because he was across from a Tim Hortons, as we know, you know, um, who's done such a wonderful job over the years um, here in Canada, and was just saying to the, to the franchisor, to the people at McDonald's corporate, like, we, we need to get, you know, more competitive in the morning business. And we, and they, they strategized with them and they said, Hey, like 
you know, cre create a handful of products, you know, let's pilot them in your store, let's study the data, let's, and, and, and again, I mean, Cafe has, has been rolled out, I think, globally at this point and been hugely successful as a brand and as, as, a, as a revenue stream for, for the business. But it came from where people might think is like this hugely regimented and like, you know, again, micromanaged, you know, massive brand. But no, like, you know, there's just a way of doing it and it's not someone veering off course. Yeah. It's just being strategic, right? Exactly. You got that. And like, yeah, so all, you know, a franchise system should always have within it, there should be some uh, feedback portal or system for gathering information or ideas from franchisees. And um, I do say, well, that kind of actually leads into one of the other trades. This isn't hang one I, of the- Hang on, I got to stop for a sec because okay. I got some love because I was on your round table and again, I'll get to this, but I, I so I'm using the Jamboard for that on Google. And I'm yeah. just saying to people, like, post your, your little sticky note of any type of suggestion or idea. Like, let's call this the creative, you know, area. And Ryan and I will take those, those uh, post-it notes and digest them, internalize them, and discuss them on a monthly basis. And then kind of move forward with ones that we think are great ideas or opportunities to pilot. So, so you know, we, we did that in a session with everybody on, on one of your roundtables. And there was cool. more than 100 of us on there. But... I thought, you know what, this would be a great way for me to allow my franchisees to just freely, openly, anonymously, whatever, post yeah. their ideas and share them with us. That's awesome. I'm really excited yeah. to hear that you implemented that as a result of that roundtable. And um, one thing just I, I always say to people with these kinds of things is helping franchisees understand, like, first of all, they get a voice by doing what you did. And then helping them understand that, you know, um, we're going to measure this on a like impact versus effort kind of scale. I often say like on a matrix almost of like how much impact, how much effort is this going to take for what amount of impact? And um, a good kind of um, sort of reference point is that we can do anything, but we can't do everything. So making sure that everyone understands like we're weighing this all out. And, and I often recommend that as you go, you might, you might even want to develop a, or an innovation committee, right? Like, so there might be a committee that it helps assess those ideas, or you might have a franchise advisory council at some point to involve them a little bit in the assessment of those ideas. And because at the end of the day, if they help decide then they can't complain that they don't like the idea too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great advice. And you know, there's a, there's a famous Harvard business professor, um, Clay Christensen, and, and he developed this kind of wheel that's so simple for any business. And it's just like, you know, it's basically like, like, like resources, processes, and profit formula. And it's like, those are the things and they need to work harmoniously. So you might look at something and say, do we have the resources to do it? And, you know, like you're saying, is the juice worth the squeeze when you tie it into the profit formula? And then how do we create a process to roll it out? So important in franchising, right? Um, consistency across the board, easy for everybody to grab it and run with it. You know, organization is a big part. So I'm, I'm totally with you on that. It's great advice. Yeah, I love what you're saying there about understanding too that like we can do it, but we have to turn it into a, a system that makes it it work. And and like yeah. you say, not just can't people can't just go rogue or whatever. So totally. yeah. Cool. You know, I was going to segue into another. I'm going to I'm going to go into one of the other really big important ones that gets missed if that's okay on trades. Yeah, yeah. So having leadership skills. And so notice I didn't I haven't and I I won't use the word being entrepreneurial, 
you know, I, I, it's not so much as a franchisee about being entrepreneurial. It's about being community oriented, like I said, and that's where you can be kind of a little bit entrepreneurial. Um, but it, you know, it's more systems oriented, but leadership is the, you know, the ability to guide and, and motivate people and in, in your business and, and why don't, I shouldn't speak to your business in my business. We dealt with, now that actually this is different, but we dealt with a lot of, I mean, we hired, I should say, a lot of sort of front or um, entry level employees. It was like their first job or they were kind of, you know, they were, it was a side thing they were doing. Um, and so the, the wage was just slightly above minimum wage. And it takes a lot of special skills to manage people that are not super loyal and invested in what they're doing with you because they don't really care if they don't show up sometimes. Um, or why would they work hard if they are only getting paid, you know, minimum or just above minimum wage. So when, so when I say leadership, it's like, what do you, what can you do to make this a good environment for people where they want to work there, you know, and it's not because it, most small businesses don't have it in the model to just add more pay. Like, and a lot of people aren't as motivated by pay as you think they want to be appreciated and all that. So having some leadership, that's where I've seen a lot of franchisees struggle. And actually I will say when I first started as a franchisee, I was 25, which cracks me up now. And I had like, you know, five or six employees and there were a few of them were older than me and to, to, you know, garner their, their trust and, and, and have that credibility. It, it took a lot of soft skills, let's just say. Yeah, for sure. And it's very, very rewarding. And it's probably because it's difficult. And you just have to have a level head and you have to be down to earth. And, you know, I, I, I recall this, we used to bring in this, this corporate sales and customer service trainer who was a good friend of ours. And we were trying to add value to the lives of our employees and really build culture in the early years of Stark. So here we are with this trainer doing a seminar for you know, eight hairstylists and again, a receptionist who probably doesn't have a career with Starks, um, but as a, as a part-time student or whatever, and they, they all got a ton of value out of it. But I remember he used to say, you know, he'd do his little preamble and then say like, what is job one? And everybody would kind of go like sell something, right? It's like, that's what he's here to teach us. And he would say, no, he, he always said, it's create the environment where people want to work for you and do business with you. And it's just like his whole training exercise, his whole program was, built around culture and environment, right? So it's like, what can you do to create this environment where people want to do business with you and where people want to work alongside of you and where they respect you as a boss? And, you know, that's, that's a big, big part of the job. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted when I'm talking to prospects and I hear, you know, I manage a small team or, or you know, I have this experience or, you know, I, I, I've, you know, even I've talked to prospects where they're in their, their corporate career. And, but, you know, a lifetime ago, I was a manager at a restaurant or so. So I understand kind of what the employees are like and how to be a little bit more down to earth. But I think I can also bring some of the formality and the skills that I've learned on the corporate side, merge it all together and, and use it effectively. That's like music to my ears, right? Mm -hmm. I like that you brought that corporate side up because and like you're acknowledging that that there's some formality in the corporate, but then in the sort of smaller business or restaurant type management, there's the actual hands-on uh, leading of, of a team. And so often when I ask people if, if we're trying to determine if they have leadership skills, that it's like, 
think about your the teams. Have you ever been the leader of a team of any sort? You know, have you led people? And and so if they say like I've I've I'm 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 a corporate director of you know sixty people, and then there's ten people under them or whatever. I'm like, okay, well we got to dive deeper into this because that might those people might uh, behave differently than people that are in these more small business sort of frontline um, entry level positions. So we, we dig into that, but I don't think personally that that trait is a deal breaker because I think it's something that can be developed. Yeah. So it's a matter of willingness to, to develop it. And, and I think some people want that, like some people, that's why they're getting into small businesses yeah. because they want to be a leader and they want to build something. And, and again, it's very, very rewarding work. You, yeah. just, you have to do it the right way. You have to learn from your mistakes. And, um, you know, hopefully in, in a franchise system, you're getting good coaching from, from above. But, you know, I, it's something that I learned basically from scratch. And I think Ryan, Ryan too, we were both corporate professionals, but we weren't in, yeah. on the managerial side. We were on the sales side. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you can learn through osmosis and, or you, you can get good coaching, but it, it, some people get in business because that's what, that's what they want to get out of it, you know? Yeah. Like out of these traits, like if I just were to compare, say that being community oriented versus leadership, I'd say it's harder to get somebody to get out of their store or location or whatever it is to go into the community than it is to teach somebody leadership. Um, so I think like, that's why I just kind of alluding to the fact that you could get like, you know, support and either, but you can still get support for the community stuff as well. But I think that's more of an important natural trait versus the leadership. As long as you have to have some kind of understanding of people. And, and so a corporate job would probably have, you know, given you some experience with that too. Um, but yeah, I think I just bring that one up because it's one that gets overlooked a lot because people think they're just plugging into this system and you, you are, but you gotta be, you know, you're driving your own little ship. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Like in my last episode, I spoke with our newest franchisee and their multi-unit deal in Toronto. And one of the things was like, you know, I just, he was like, I just love this city and I wanna leave my mark on this city. And when I'm networking, I'm talking to local professionals, you know, whether they're realtors or mortgage brokers or small businesses. And these are, he's like, these are relationships where the shelf life is like forever, right? Because that, that's their career. Like that's their forever. They're going to, they're going to do business in that community as a realtor for 30 or 40 years. So he, he, he obviously was talking about the side of it where it's like, you know, it's very rewarding to be involved in these networks, but what you're hearing in his voice is basically like, I, I can't wait to get out there and work the community. I want to leave my mark on the community. And it's like, that is, a great attitude that is going to result in great alliances with the community, great reciprocity with the community. You know, you'll, you'll just, you'll nail it if, if that's yeah. right. Yeah. When I start to hear that, I'm like, I almost kind of want to skip over the rest of the DNA and be like, you're in. <laughs> cause I, cause honestly, like I said, that is one of the biggest pain points that franchisors are like, I can't get them to, you know, go do this, go yeah. out there. Yeah. 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 Get them, get them outside and get, but you know, in our, in our business, very social, like very, you know, interacting with people constantly. And, and so, you know, hopefully like that's just the baseline and then, you know, they, they, they can and will get out there. And, and again, you know, candidly speaking, our, our franchisees are all very new and, you know, yeah. they, they've, they've been, they've been, 
it's like play pause, play pause with these yeah. Things, right? so, <laughs> pandemic. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can just they're bursting at the seams for to, to get things open back up, but keep going. Yeah. Like these are, you know, just they're great insights, yeah. obviously for, for sure. anyone. This one isn't actually like a DNA thing, but I just I have to had to get it in there somehow. But I'm going to go to the uh, having the amount of capital, like having the appropriate amount of capital. So I call it being financially prepared. Um, I'm going back to my days of of uh, M&M, m and Meat Shops, where I was, um, you know, setting stores up with franchisees and getting them up and running. And they were so, some of them had just such a tight uh, capital situation that they couldn't, like they, they were so uncomfortable when on, you know, the first couple of days we were putting in their, we had put in their original order of inventory to sell. I mean, that's a retail business. That's your like a big cost you have to be prepared for yeah. to, to stock up. And, you know, we'd go, oh, we got grand opening coming. We need to put another $25,000 order in. And they're like sweating and they can't, you know, click the button and all that. And I'm like, well, like you can't sell from an empty shelf, you know? Um, and so, I, and that's going back uh, to that business. But in any business, I see this a lot where if the franchisee, like, they have to have enough working capital to live, you know, in that first uh, any anywhere between, I don't know, three and really 12 or more months, depending on how they, especially if there's something called COVID going on, but yeah, um, yeah. well, all those government help for that, but um, they have to be, be prepared. And so that could be anything from the, you know, a, a secondary income in the house just to kind of cushion, um, you know, if there's some people will d dig into their savings or whatever they have to do, but um, and it's not necessary. What I found interesting over the years is it's not necessarily like a dollar amount. It's more of a mindset yes. that like, you know, have you seen that? Just, like let's peel back the onion a bit. It's not really just about being well financed. It's how does it affect your mentality? Like if I told you to take your life savings and go put it in one stock, is, yeah. is that going to change how you sleep at night? Right. Probably. Yeah. So when we're talking about attitude and, you know, the right mentality and, and, and everything like, like it ties into it. Right. Totally. And I think, yeah. And I, so I think if the person is hungry enough and has a track record that shows that they are a fighter, that they will be successful in anything they do, they won't give up. If they're, if they're a little tight when coming in, I mean, this isn't a general rule, but I might look at that and go, well, for you, I'll let you in even though it's a bit tight because I see that you've got all these options and I, I see you have the stomach for this, but it is definitely an area where that people get tripped up. So um, I, I hate it. Like I don't want to turn people off of the opportunity because like in general, the idea of becoming a franchisee because the ROI and the support and everything is, is, you know, super valuable. It's just, you want to make sure that you're not, and I think maybe a pep talk for people is that if you do, you know, if you are going into, like I always say, it's always going to be a leap of faith becoming a franchisee yeah. or, or any business. Like even if you had the 300 or 800 units becoming a franchisee, you don't know for sure if you're going to love it until you like actually are like you say, sleeping at night and with this debt or whatever it is. And if so, you know, it's always going to be that, like that risk. So does that excite you or does that scare you so much you can't do it? And then I would look at like what you're getting for doing it. What's the trade-off? And if the, you start to get excited about the trade-off, then it's probably a good idea to go forward. But have you, what would you say about that capital piece? Have you dealt with that? Well, I mean, number one, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad you, 
you're speaking transparently, approach this way, saying in kind of the, the preamble or whatever that the reason I named it the Starks Lounge is I want people to feel like, you know, we're just hanging out in the lounge. I'm speaking candidly. And, you know, we spoke in episode one about COVID and I wanted that franchisee to talk about their experience and not sugarcoat it and, and just be real. And, you know, so, so same with you. So I, so I think, I think, yeah, like, I mean, we get as much insight as we can and we do dive as deep as we can. But I think that ultimately, you know, people are going to never tell you the full story and they're always going to, you know, like, yeah, it's leap of faith to what degree, um, you know, how comfortable are they? It's, 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 it's like how much money you have is a number, but the way you look at money and, and your risk tolerance is really the barometer, right? So, so totally. somebody have a nice cushion and they look at it like it's not a great cushion, whereas another guy might be like on a knife's edge, he's looking at it like, I'll be fine. Like, I'll, you know, and, yeah. and, and I, I think Ryan can, can pull the reins a bit on me when, because I'm like super kind of ambitious guy and like to take risk and, you know, I, that rubs off on me and I kind of almost inherently connect with that. But at the same yeah. token, it's like, you know, we've had a good partnership because there's a bit of a yin and a yang there. He holds, your, holds down the fort a little bit and keeps you grounded a little bit. like Totally, right? Because yeah. you, want, you want the balance. And, and again, it's just like you spend enough time with a prospect and you really get to understand kind of like where they're at. And I always say yeah. like, we, like, we, we do less. So, so we don't, we don't go to the franchise show anymore. And there's a lot of stuff we don't do because there's so many tire kickers out there, right? So many people yeah. fantasize about buying a business. I, I was once told by a mentor in this space that, Hey, there's way more people out there that want to buy a franchise than there are franchises for sale. Cause typically when brands get, you know, momentum, they start to sell a lot internally and it's hard to get in. And so yeah. we, I, I said, I want to spend more time with the good prospects, right? Then, 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 then spend more time with more people and filtering. And yeah. it's, it's like, we don't, we don't see as many leads maybe as, as, as some other emerging brand that yep. has like a really hardcore strategy. And so, so we do some prospecting on LinkedIn. We get, we get a ton from our customer base and we just kind of put it out there and yes. we get enough and we spend more time with the people that we're talking to, to really yep. build that relationship. So good to hear that. And I would way rather, like I would way rather bring on a franchisee that is like, just like so passionate and excited about the brand, has the right traits, you know, then somebody who's coming in and like this came up earlier when we were talking like about the money, like if they're asking you about how much they can make, that's just to me such a red flag in, in a business like yours, maybe different for like a, you know, like a subway or something where, you know, I don't know, it's, it's very structured and all that. But like, yeah, yeah. I want somebody who, who hardly even cares because they trust that they're going to get the ROI because they know they love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's who yeah. I, like, yeah. So I think we're, we're speaking the same language because you're talking about, you know, cu customers, clients, people that already are sort of aware of you or they're following you already. Like LinkedIn is a great, a great way to find great people too. So yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, it sounds good. And that capital piece is, is important, but I think combined with, you know, the, the desire and the trait or the, all the right traits and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. Let, let's, so I, again, I want to, I want to dig, dive in a little bit in, into your round tables and stuff at the end. But let's give, let's get my franchisees. They're, they're going to be listening. 
right? Mm-hmm. They, they, were, they, were, uh, they were keen on this and knowing that you were coming on and, and they cool. want to learn it. So, so let's give everybody one more nugget. Let's dive into one more topic. And then we'll, we'll kind of okay. to tell people where they can find more information. And, you know, yeah. I, I want people to be, you know, looking at AC Inc. And, and you know, Thank you guys you. are fantastic. There's, and, and again, you know, for everybody listening, it's, it's not just, you know, coaching, uh, merging and, and, and established franchisors. And, you, you know, you, got, you guys consult and coach with small business owners. And mm-hmm. you have so much to offer in that space too, right? So Thank it could you. be somebody looking at making a decision, right? And yeah, and and so so I, yeah, let, let's 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 give let's give them one more. Okay, well this yeah this will segue into the roundtables if we do talk a little bit about it. Okay. Um, so being collaborative and team oriented, all kind of in one. And right. what I mean by that, why or why I bring this one up is that the franchisees that I've seen that do that that are the top performers very much want to collaborate with other franchisees because they recognize that in a franchise system, you've got fellow business owners who are running the exact same business and learning different things and making same or different mistakes that you can learn from each other. So, I mean, I believe that in general, as you know, I like to bring franchisors together to collaborate with each other, but in a franchise, often I see that get missed where the franchisees aren't tapping into that. And I'm like, Oh man, like, I remember when we were having a lot of staffing challenges as when I was a franchisee early on, like I said, because probably because I was so young and hadn't led people like that before. And I remember thinking like, this can't be this hard. And so I asked around and found out who in this franchise chain, what franchisees have figured this out? Who knows how to do this better than I do? And found out this woman in Barrie, Ontario had like three or four stores and everybody said, you got to talk to Christine. So I called Christine and she gave me like, she just gave me like a rundown of awesome ideas. And I'm like, there you go. Like that's my money. You know, my money's worth as a franchisee to be able to reach out to other franchisees and, and get their input. And then also, um, when I say collaborative and team approach is also understanding kind of back to like following systems that what I do impacts you. So we need to like work together and understand that when we work as a team, it's good for everybody, including understanding that when the franchise company grows, that's good for us too. And how can we help the franchise company grow? Can we put signs up in our unit and can we, can we tell our, all our customers, <clears throat> like you, the last thing you want is somebody who is more threatened by the idea of another location opening because they're worried about their sales or whatever in the longer run that brand growth is going to come back even if it impacts you short term so to to understand you know this is a team we're working with the franchisor we're working with each other we're collaborative and let's let's go and grow yeah, yeah you know what and this is this is a DNA thing for us like i mean i i notice my franchisees talking amongst each other without us even having to encourage it. And they've all formed like a really close bond. Obviously we're a small system currently with a handful of people on board. Um, and, and, and to the point of expansion, you know, they do like it and they like to see that, that the brand is growing. And I think sometimes, you know, people miss like how that impactful that can be if, if the brand really grows and how much value you can add to your business. Um, but I think like it's part of what you're buying too, right? Like when you're buying a franchise, you're, you're buying into like the big brand and the system and, you know, the support and, 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 you know, a lot of the resources and knowledge that the franchisor has, but you're also buying into the network where you've got a bunch of peers, you know, they probably resemble you in, in a way where you might be level of education and background, certain experiences that, 
they bring forward. And I think like, you know, we have people that are, you know, formerly in like, you know, corporate sales, the accounting side, people mm-hmm. that have worked for the government. Like, so, so they bring different insights and yeah. skills to the table. Yeah. It's, it's part of what you're buying, right? Like people are going to work together. They're going to share best practices and ideas with each other. And it's mm-hmm. hugely valuable, right? Totally. And I think being team oriented is like drop the ego, you know, reach out to your peers for help. I love what you just said about the different skills. Like as you grow, what, what kind of gets, what gets really cool is you can have like, people will know that person's really good at marketing or that person's really good at numbers. And so there can be like, you know, the, the peer specialists so that they're not always relying on you, but because you want them to learn to rely on each other. Um, the other piece to this, um, you know, the brand growth that again, if we think collaboratively and we grow together is that the more units you have, the more, the more brand fund, you know, more money in the brand fund pot to, to yeah. grow the brand, the more resources at your head office to, uh, to support the franchisees and stay innovative and all these things. So um, it's, I just think it's really important for people to have that right mindset, that teamwork collaborative, I'm on a team, we're growing together mindset coming in and then for you as a franchisor it's important to continue to foster that and don't let that go because you know it uh, it can be tricky but you to keep the um the understanding about that you know just top of mind yeah a couple of things to unpack there i mean like from the brand fund perspective you know when we launched our our a few new um strategies and things coming with starks at the agm they were really excited and i think surprised a bit and it was like hey there's been some downtime with covid to work on some things but you're kind of you're kind of like looking into the future and saying like well guys like now we have this brand fund and we kind of know what's coming in so we can start to prepare these strategies and and prepare for and this is this is what that fund is all about so so yeah be excited that we're all contributing to making the business better for everybody, including each person individually. And when you made that comment about like dropping your ego at the door, it's kind of like as a franchisor now, I look at it like, again, back to like, how do I create that environment where everybody feels comfortable? Because I think you sit in a room, you know, whether it's an AGM or whether, you know, you do virtual virtual, uh, cocktail hour on Zoom or whatever to get everybody logs on to check in, see how people are doing. And then all of a sudden it's like, maybe you don't want to share something because you don't want to look like you're struggling or maybe you don't like people have insecurities. They have ego. They have that like, right. It's like, how do you create this is what I'm thinking as you're saying it for me mm-hmm. is like, how do you create an environment where people feel like yeah. they can share and, yeah. and where we can work on problem solving or harvesting, cultivating ideas. Right. Because yeah. well, everybody, I- wants to, everybody wants to project success. Right? I know, right? And actually, it's uh, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly as you know what I'm trying to cultivate in these roundtables where I bring franchisors together, um, and and there's a franchisee one as well. Um, what I think I think what a piece of it that that helps is is that the facilitator leader there shows vulnerability themselves a little bit, and and just vulnerability and authenticity so that others kind of follow suit. That's one thing. And if you can get, you know, if you can get that one franchisee to, to open up first, if there's somebody that you know, hey, would you mind sharing that challenge you had, like in advance, maybe sort of planting it a little bit to get them role modeling that, like, hey, this is a safe space. 
And, and, and also just saying, just clarifying that, like, this is going to be a place where we're going to like drop, like drop the ego judgment and all that, check that at the door. Um, because the more, the more we open up, the more we get out of it, right? Like if, yeah. if, if you've ever been in a mastermind or a performance group, I've seen it with, we have with AC Inc. We have some of these smaller, um, we call them play bigger groups of franchisors and, it's really cool to see over time as people start to open up how much deeper they go and how much they can help each other. So I think helping people understand that on the front end, you know, if you are bringing people together is, uh, is probably a good starting point for that. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, good segue, like I, I didn't even know you had a round table for franchisees, but you do a really good job of not putting people on the lists who don't belong. Um, so everybody in your lane kind of thing, and let's, let's make sure the sessions are productive and, People are on there with like-minded people and, um, you know, also like rules like camera on and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but for the listeners, like, I, I really want to shine light on these roundtables because I think you're becoming famous for them, but <laughs> as well, like, let's talk about the spirit and, and how it grew. And, and so, you know, back when COVID first hit, mm -hmm. there were a lot of franchisors that were feeling like, you know, what do we do here? Like, do, do we want to be the first to close? We want to be the last to close. We don't want to get people sick. We it was like, I remember coming home to my wife and saying, as crazy as this might sound, and I, I shouldn't say this as a business owner, but are they going to shut us down? Because I don't know what to do. And yeah. I feel like we need the rules of engagement because I'm scared here. We don't know what this is. And I don't know what the right call is, right? And, and so, you know, you, you were able to get a bunch of us on Zoom to congregate and start kicking ideas around, sharing best practices. And it was hugely impactful, you know, back then. And I know you've kept them going for all this time and you've broken them out into different categories, emerging, you know, franchise or roundtable. Obviously, you have one for franchisees and I want you to talk about what, what you have. And it's such an amazing resource and, and, and they've grown so much. But quickly, I want, I want to share a quick story because, mm -hmm. you know, I think this is a testament to, to these things. But early on, back in those pandemic days, um, I, I was on one of them. I was listening to some pretty well-respected uh, people in the space talk. And one of them was saying, you know, it was kind of like, what can you do during the lockdown? And, you know, for some businesses, it's easy, right? Like you deliver food or do some kind of curbside or the ideas were just kind of like coming naturally. But for Starks, you know, we're service-based and we weren't allowed to cut the customer's hair. So, you know, I remember him saying like, if you can't fill the profit bucket, you know, there's two buckets. There's like the, the, the money bucket and the profit bucket and the goodwill bucket. So like try to figure out a way where like you mm -hmm. can fill the goodwill bucket. And it sparked an idea in me to do these virtual consultations where I paired customers with my staff on, on Zoom to get them like, you know, it could be like a gentleman whose wife's getting ready to cut his hair and she's scared that she's going to screw up his hair. And you know, <laughs> so we're coaching, we're assessing their tools and people are on with dog grooming kits and stuff. It was great. <laughs> it was obviously something topical that everybody was struggling with and and so a few things happened obviously we got you know nationwide pr from was amazing like we're on the evening news and we did us helped a celebrity cut their hair on zoom and did dozens of local radio interviews and news interviews so it was amazing from that standpoint but we also really strengthened a ton of relationships with our customers and so so i just wanted to thank you for running these share an anecdote about like how impactful it, it was for Starks and continues to be for me as I, I continue to participate in this. And I literally get an idea every time I log on to one of these. Um, so, so, you know, I, I just want to say thank you 
and, and share a story from, from our end, from, from the, the user's end or what, you know, whoever, whatever we're called. Um, you've been quarterbacking these. So talk about them, tell us about them, and, and thank you for doing them. Thank you. Well, first of all, it means so much to me that you say that. It's so, it, it feels always so good when something you did is creating impact. And that's, that's just, yeah, it's super awesome to hear. Um, yeah, I, the March, uh, you know, March 16th was a Monday. And you probably know that because like everybody, you know, March 16th was when really things were starting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all my, you know, we had, I had clients and they were like, or like I'd have a meeting booked, you know, I'm on the Friday before that. And I can't, oh my gosh, like we ever, you remember everyone was just freaking out. And I'm like, hmm, look, I, I don't even, hardly even remember doing this, but like I hosted three the week of March 16th. I called them like emergency franchise or yeah. tables yeah. or something. And, um, it, yeah, it was just sort of a natural for me. I just, it's just like, we all have certain DNA and that's just in my DNA to bring people together to, to get them helping each other. So, um, thanks for the, the shout out for that. It's very, um, just rewarding to hear that story from you that, that something you did as a result of that. Um, so Angela quickly on March 16th, yeah. like a lot of people that don't own businesses maybe experience that week in a different way, but I came home from vacation on the 13th with my family. Yeah. My business partner left on the 14th and, and that Friday night I said, you know, there's this thing is kind of becoming a real thing and should I take <laughs> the magazines out of the lounge and I was thinking maybe get rid of the water and, and by Monday, like he was down in the States and by the end of that week, the prime minister was saying, you better get home if you're done. And, and I, my hair was on fire and yeah. it was so fluid to the point where we were, we were worried that, you know, somebody was going to get sick and somebody might die. And yeah. it, it was, that week was critical and I can't and imagine hard. Yeah. And, and you, I remember those round tables and, you know, it, it was like, thank God we can, we can share information with each other. Well, uh, I think nobody knew how to do it. Right. Yeah. Everybody was freaking out. Quite frankly, I think people were probably asking me questions that I didn't have the answers to. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> you guys can help each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you spent, as I said in my introduction, the entire life in franchising, but I don't care what you did in, in any walk of life, have this. lifetime, you, nobody's experienced that, right? Yeah, pretty so. crazy. Um, but yeah, just tapping into that, that ability to like bring people together. And I was very comfortable on Zoom because I'd been using it and stuff. So um, yeah, so that, that kept going. And, and yeah, I mean, just you telling that story, I just got a chill, like I literally got goosebumps yeah. just remembering those times. That was so crazy. Um, and so, uh, to be honest, I was thinking about running something like this prior to the pandemic hitting, like some kind of bring franchisors together. We don't need to meet in person all the time. We can go on zoom and then, and then the pandemic sped that up for me. And so it was, it was kind of on the radar. And so to this day, we have a number of roundtables. We have, so we have a, a weekly one for franchisors of all stages. We've got up to 2000 units, uh, people on there. And then we've got one for emerging franchisors. And we do let people in on that, that are thinking of franchising their business. So if anybody happens to be listening, wants to learn about that, they can reach out to us. Um, Amazing for someone like that to be, to be sitting in on that. I think I actually oh. joke when they do come on, sometimes I private message those people like one-on-one -on -one and say, are you changing your mind yet to <laughs> franchise your business? One of the things Ryan and I did before we started was sought mentorship and learned so much from some people in the industry. And, and, and I'm so grateful that we did because I think the story for a lot of people is they just jump into franchising because they feel like, hey, the opportunity's there. 
you know, people are bugging me, they're in the business, it's busy, they see the success, and they could learn so much from yeah. being on those, on those sessions. Yeah, sadly, just there's too many, unfortunately, too many people out there that will help them do what they need to do to become a franchise without, without going in with their eyes open. So I agree. I think it's really yeah. important. So there's that. And then we've got, um, we've got a roundtable for franchisees. So if any of your franchisees want to come and collaborate with other brands, it's, it's franchisees from all different brands. And we talk about what's well, not me running it. It's my team member, Jen, who was a, a tutor doctor franchisee, nine years, multi-unit top performing franchisee. So she went from being like one territory to seven territories and can, you know, help people with the, these challenges and, and like staffing challenges. We talk about all these things. Um, those are free too. So, um, well, this I, is all I think then we have to get into, you know, how can people join? Cause I, I can just, yeah. I post this episode and then my WhatsApp group with all my franchisees is blowing <laughs> up with, how do I get on that round table? How do I yeah, get on yeah. They are okay. going to be so excited to hear that you have a franchisee. Good. Oh, I, I'm so excited that we got this out and we can hopefully get them there. Um, so it's, if they just go to our website, which is just Angela Cote, C-O-T-E.com, there is a, uh, a button for roundtables on that. Just go to the menu bar. Um, so, or they can go to angelacote.com slash roundtables, I believe it is. Um, and so it, on that, on that page, there's a, uh, just a, a sign up kind of button. There's, we, um, we just get your information and we will probably, Jen will get on a quick call. Like I think the process is they get uh, sent to a book, a quick call with Jen. So she can tell them a little bit about it and make sure they're coming to the right round table. But again, it's free. Um, yeah, and then we've got like one for people that do the marketing in a franchise company, um, as well as we've got one for uh, franchise business coaches within franchise systems for kind of the bigger systems. So we've realized that this is a great way to bring people together and people want to build peer relationships and we're breaking borders with this. We've had people from the UK, Australia, you know, it's, it's global. Um, so yeah, we're not stopping. <laughs> we're just becoming known as the roundtable people. Amazing. And, and, you know, I, again, thank you so much for doing it. It's been impactful on us. I mean, I think, I think you're so good at what you do because I can't even remember how we met and, you know, we're friends. You're a mentor to me. I've watched your company absolutely soar since you started doing these. Yeah. And, and it's great because it's well-deserved success. Um, you and Keith and Keith's agreed to be on this show and for everybody listening, Keith is the emerging guy and, and he brings yeah. a wealth of, of, of knowledge and expertise and he's a funny guy. And yeah. <laughs> sometimes him and I will spend too much of our time together talking about things that, that aren't business. Like football. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's fantastic. And so are you. And, and just thanks for the mentorship. Thanks for connecting everybody. And, um, you know, you're such a leader in this space. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing insights with everybody. Thank you, Steve. You really made my day saying all that nice stuff. I appreciate it. We, even us, you know, people that you think all these things, but we don't know that, right? So I really appreciate that you're acknowledging these things that I've done. It's, it's, it's been fun. So it's all true, you. Angela. Yeah, you're one of the first people I thought of when I started doing this. Who can I bug and, and, and steal their time and their, their knowledge and expertise and yeah. you know, send one email and, and you came right back and said, love to. So yeah, yeah thanks so much for being on here. Like uh, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna help our listeners. And, and again, you've, you've been such an uh, impactful uh, mentor for me. So yeah, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. And just for anybody that wants to get the rest of the DNA or get that in writing, they can go to our website, AngelaCote.com and it's our sort of downloadable free resource. So um, just head there and I, 
don't know where it is exactly on the page, but I think it's one of those pop-ups that'll annoy you. You'll either have to close it or sign up for the, the DNA of a franchisee. We'll put it on our social media and I'll make it mandatory for uh, my franchisees to download. For there sure. you go. <laughs> All right, awesome. well, Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube at Starks Barbaco.